illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from the Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of Thermodynamic Lipid Immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how are you doing? You know, I'm feeling a little uh, overrated there because I haven't done any directing of dynamic thermal lipid immersion. Well, I was thinking that same thing. Going on I, about 12 months. Yeah, I know. Well, I was thinking the same thing because I just changed up the intro and I said the big bald guy behind the grill. How often have I been behind the grill this year? Well, more times than I've been behind the freaking deep fryer. That's for darn sure. I guess once. Yeah. I mean, what have I done? I mean, I just stand there with my thumb up my butt. Pretty much. Well, so, you do that anyway, yeah. even when you're deep frying. Pretty much. All right. The purpose so. of illegal participation is for us to talk beaver sports, tailgating, and anything else we find interesting every week, and just to generally have some fun along the way. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most other podcatchers. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com, at HeinrichTailgater on Twitter, and HeinrichTailgater on Facebook. All right, Beach, ready to get into some Beaver Sports news? Oh, ready and willing, Billy. What do we got? All right, Beach. Well, first we'll start off with women's basketball. The numbers, the number 17 Oregon State women's basketball team moved to 2-0 on the season with an 89-80 win over San Francisco last Thursday afternoon at Gill. Freshman Sasha Goforth shined in her second collegiate game, scoring 24 points on 7-for-11 shooting from the floor. Taylor Jones had another impressive effort, finished with 19 points, 11 rebounds, and 2 blocks. Aaliyah Goodman scored 14 points to go with 6 assists and 4 rebounds, while Jasmine Simmons tallied 10 points and 8 rebounds off the bench. Taya Corsdale filled the stat sheet, going for 8 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists with 2 steals. Hmm. 
Then Beach, the number 17 Oregon State women's basketball team, was victorious in its Pac-12 opener on Sunday, defeating the Colorado Buffaloes 70-53. Senior Aaliyah Gooman exploded for 24 points and 8 for 13 shooting and dished out 4 assists. Freshman Sasha Goforth and Ellie Mack tallied 11 points apiece. Jasmine Simmons tallied 8 points off the bench as she continued her hot start to the season. Taya Corsdale filled the stat sheet with 4 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. Jelena Mitrovic pulled down 12 rebounds. In that game, Oregon State held Colorado to 29.2% shooting in the contest, while the Beavs shot 41.8% from the floor. Nice. And for the week, Beach, Oregon State freshman guard Sasha Goforth was named the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week, the conference announced on Monday. Goforth scored 24 points against San Francisco and uh, scored 11 points in her Pac-12 debut. She's averaging 15.3 points per game this season and has scored in double figures in all three of Oregon State's games. She joins Jamie Weisner, Sydney Weiss, Michaela Pivik, and Taylor Jones as Oregon State players to earn Freshman of the Week honors since the award started in the 2012-2013 season. Hmm. But then some bad news, Beach. Just tonight, the Beavs fell at home to Utah, 85-79. to Sucks. What happened? Um, I don't know. I don't have the game uh, summary yet. Looks like Oregon State came out, um, led after one, 24 to 20, but then had a pretty dismal second quarter, getting outscored 15 to nine, wow. and they can never catch up from there. So well, that that sucks. Yep. Yeah. See, looks like Goodman. Finished the game with 20 points. Corsdale had seven rebounds, and Goodman had four assists. Look at the team stats. Looks like in that game, Goodman finished with 20 points, Goforth 16, and Corsdale 12. Looks like Taylor Jones only went one for 10 from the floor and finished with six points. Wow. Yep. When you're hitting 10%, you're not going to have much success. No. She, and she was 4 or 6 from free throws. But, uh, yeah, that's not not very good stats. Well, Goforth herself was only 4 of 11. Hmm. So, and 8 of 11 from the free throw line. So, that was as of today. I don't know what the Beavs' next games are. It looks like their next one after this is not until December 13th for Civil War. Well, excuse me, not till December 13th for the rivalry game, formerly known as the Civil War, at 4 o'clock. Okay. The 13th is Sunday. That game will be at 4 o'clock. Nice. Yeah. All right, Beans, let's talk a little men's basketball. All right. Oregon State opened Pac-12 play with a tough 59-55 to loss to Washington State last Wednesday evening up in Pullman. The Bees moved to 2-1 on the season and 0-1 in Pac-12 play. Um, their season opening game over California was considered a non-conference win. Now, Zach hmm. Reichel led the Bees with 12 points, and Warith Altiche posted his first career double-double with 11 points and 10 rebounds. Then on Sunday, Beach, the men's basketball team fell to Wyoming 76-73. Senior guard Ethan Thompson got off to a hot start, leading the team with 11 points at the first media timeout. 
He finished the game as OSU's leading scorer with 20 points, adding four rebounds and two assists while going 10 of 13 from the line. As the second half progressed, it was more of the same from Wayne Tinkle's Oregon State Beavs. They, the lead continued to grow. By the midway point of the second half, it reached double digits. But Wyoming battled back, eventually taking the lead with less than a minute remaining in the game. Damn it. Yep, that sucks. And the Beavs, the men will take on Portland Thursday, December 10th. So tomorrow evening. Okay. That means a little bit of football news. Um, as we talked is it, about. Is it good news or bad news? Well, it's a mixed bag. Um, okay. If you could remember from last week, we talked about the possibility of the game with Stanford getting moved to a home game for the Beavs. Yeah, because of the whole uh, Gavin Newsom's uh, communist well, it, bastard. Well, yeah, but it, that's so much like Newsom. This is the Santa Clara County Health Department. Okay. Where, where Stanford is. So that uh, game. Uh, that? All, uh, uh, yeah, all, all California governments are commies. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yep. The That game has been uh, moved to Research Stadium the game on Saturday. So um, that was announced by the conference last week. The move was made because of the Santa Clara County Public Health Department's emergency directive issued on November 28th. So, Beach, that game last week, Stanford left early, went up, practiced up in Washington, played the game at Washington, and now they're going to stay up here in the Northwest, will play again before thinking about returning home. Stay the hell away from – stay out of California for – yeah, it's kind of stupid. It, it's it's like you can't eat inside a restaurant, but if you put a tent up outside the restaurant, you can eat in the tent outside the restaurant. Well, yeah, although down in Southern California, where it's relatively nice, they're they're not even allowed to eat outside <laughs> because I, I, because that's you science. Know, I, you know, I was driving down to uh, San Francisco on Saturday, uh-huh. and. Stopped off and ate at a, a, a nice little restaurant, had good Yelp reviews down at Grants Pass. And we couldn't eat inside, so we're eating outside. It's like, I don't know, 48, 49 degrees, freezing our asses off, trying, yeah. to, trying to eat some really good mac and cheese with bacon, big old hunks of bacon in the thing. Anyway, um, I'm just thinking to myself, this is freaking insane. You know, this is crap that California should be doing, but sure as hell not Oregonians. It's just stupid. So, yeah. Because they're sciencing all over this this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Sciencing everywhere. So, well, Beach, um, Oregon State junior running back Jamar Jefferson has been named to the College Football Performance Awards National Performer of the Year watch list. Okay. He's also one of ten players nationally who have been named as the Doak Walker semifinalists. Now, the Doak Walker Award is given annually to the nation's top running back. Um, Jefferson has 675 yards with seven touchdowns in the four games he's played this season. He's third nationally, averaging 168.8 yards per game. Now, obviously, he didn't get to play last week because of uh, the COVID protocols. He wasn't positive, but he was around somebody that was. Mm -hmm. Now, Beach, um, he opened the season so far with four consecutive 100-yard efforts, becoming the first Oregon State running back to do so since Steven Jackson in 2003. God dang, it's been 17 years since Steven Jackson. Yep. I know he's already retired from the NFL for a couple of years. Wow. Yep. Now, did, he, did he have a good career? I don't watch much NFL. Um, he had a he had a really good career, but never anything outstanding because he was on the Rams, and the Rams never. I mean, if he would have had a better offensive line or more of a team around him, mm-hmm. he would have been phenomenal. 
instead he's just a great running back on a mediocre team. You know, made great yeah. plays, had great stats, but you know, you put him on a team that was winning all. The, you put him on the the Patriots while he's doing all that, and then he's all world. Now the Doak Walker uh, will vote on the ten semifinalists with three finalists set to be announced December twenty first. A second vote will then be cast, and the winner will be announced on January 7th. Okay. Now, Beach, also up, Oregon State redshirt junior Jaden Grant is one of 67 nominees for the 2020 Burlesworth Trophy, uh, was announced on Tuesday. Now, in its 11th year, the Burlesworth Trophy honors the most outstanding football player at the FBS level who began his career as a walk-on and has shown oh, outstanding wow. performance on the field. The honor is named after former Arkansas All-American offensive lineman Brandon Burlesworth. Have you ever seen that movie about him? No. Do tell. Um, I'll pull it up here. So I'm assuming it was was a Lifetime movie, Billy. Did, uh, no, did no, no, Lachlan, did it have Lori Lachlan in it? No, no, Maybe no. Valerie Bernelli? No, not at all. I think I saw it on Netflix. Um, it's called Greater. Came out in 2016. Um, okay. And it's got a couple people that you'd kind of recognize on it. It's not like a phenomenal movie, mm-hmm. um, but I think you'd enjoy it. Um, and it really talks about what he did and Burlesworth's uh, faith. And I, I, I think you would enjoy it. I enjoyed okay. it. It was on uh, Netflix called Greater. Um, I was watching a bunch of sports movies the end of the summer. And that mm-hmm. one came up and I started watching it. And it, Burlesworth walked on at Arkansas in 1994. Um, and he really had no business walking on there. He had gotten a, a, a scholarship offer to a smaller school, but he wanted to be uh, a Razorback. And it mm-hmm. just goes through his life and how what he did with his life. And his life is cut short. Okay. So, well, thanks for ruining that one for me, well, Billy. You, you, you realize it right in the beginning, Beach. Okay. You'll 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 realize it right in the beginning, but uh, it, it's a good movie. It's it's really good. I, I enjoyed it. So. Okay. Anyways, um, now Grant, uh, defensive back, is one of eight players from the Pac-12 conference who has been nominated for that award. What a neat award, though, just in general. Yeah. The fact that you know these these guys that you know the uh, the overlooked stars. Yeah, and well, and Burlesworth had a very interesting look. He was a huge guy, big old guy. And mm-hmm. he wore black glasses and just had a very interesting look about him. So, really? Yeah. It's it's it it's a it's a it's a neat a neat uh movie and just to see his life story and what he did. It's really good. Anyways, um Oregon State's running backs coach and recruiting coordinator Michael Petrie is one of fifty six nominees nationally for the Broyles Award, which is given annually to college football's top assistant coach. Now Petrie's in his third season at OSU, where he's helped develop Jamar Jefferson as one of the nation's top running backs. Petrie has coached Jefferson for three seasons. He also worked with Artavis Pierce, who's now with the Chicago Bears in his first two seasons in Corvallis. Now, Jefferson and Pierce, now this is what was said in this press release. It said Jefferson and Pierce became the first two Oregon State teammates with 2,000 career rushing yards in the same season. Wow. Now, the only thing I can think about that is neither Jefferson nor Pierce has ever had 1,000-yard seasons. But Uh they both have over 2,000 years 
excuse me, 2,000 yards in their career. Okay. So, but they didn't do it. Jefferson just did it this year. Mm-hmm. And Pierce probably did it last year. So I guess they both have 2,000 career yards and they both played the same season. I guess that's what it says. I guess that's what it's saying. This is what the sentence says. Okay. Jefferson and Pierce became the first two Oregon State teammates with 2,000 career rushing yards in the same season. Okay. But that's not true, if that's what they're saying. Because Ken Simonton and Steven Jackson played together in 2001. And, and Jackson ended up with over 3,000 yards, and Simonton is the all-time leader at OSU with over five. So I don't know exactly what that press release was saying, but either huh. way, it's wrong. I think. I don't so know. what? Who's second behind Simonton? In yards, uh, I think. I think Quiz. I think it's Quiz. Yeah, with how many? Um, no, I looked this up the other day. Because were the guys even close? Um, no. Let me see here. I mean, it's when it comes down to it, it's not. Passing yards, passing touchdowns, rushing yards. Okay. Simonton has 5,044. Quiz, 3,877. Evanson Bernard, 3,862. Ooh, so close. Steven Jackson, 3,625. Jamar Jefferson, 2,740. Storm Woods, 2,674. Then we're going to go back a ways. Dave Schilling, who played from 69 to 71, 2,552. Pete Pfeiffer, who played from 64 to 66 with 2,233. Ryan Nall, who played from 2015 to 2017 with 2,216. And Bill Earthquake Enyart. From sixty-eight to sixty-six to sixty-eight, who had two thousand one hundred and fifty-five. I, I love the fact that his nickname is Earthquake. Yeah, it's awesome. So there you go. All righty. All right, Beach. Oh, yes, Beach. Yeah. Yes, Beach. This just in. A shortage of razor blades in Eugene, not related, uh, not related to local suicide concern. It was noted on social media in Eugene on Sunday that not only was there a shortage of toilet paper and sanitizer at local stores and markets due to COVID, but also a massive shortage of razor blades. Due to the University of Oregon Ducks' second straight loss for the 2020 season, some mental health experts in the area were concerned there may be uh, a risk of suicides and the lack of razor blades might be a first indicator. When media outlets asked local convenience store owner Bob Wood if the people purchasing the razor blades seemed distraught or showing other signs of mental illness, he responded, I don't have any razor blades on the store shelves because none of these f***ing hippies shave. I only keep one bar of soap on the shelf at a time because these shits wouldn't know what a bathtub it fell, them, fell on top of them from Watson Stadium. Beat Nicks. And this has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. Beat Nicks, huh? 
<laughs> Apparently so. Yeah, all them beatniks. God. That's the truth, though. That's the truth. Well, Beach, with that, I think it's time for us to go under further review for week number five in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! Oh, so excited. Well, I don't know how exciting it was. You know, I, I'll be, uh, and you know me, I'm, and I, I'm sure everybody hears it from me all the time. I work so much, I didn't get a chance to, uh, actually, I was driving down to San Francisco and uh, didn't get a chance to uh, watch the uh, watch the games at all. I did listen to part of the Oregon State game, uh, the Parker broadcast, mm-hmm. but uh, it was it was a 12-hour drive. It was a long drive, and I, and I, I was losing it towards the end. Mm-hmm. So, All right, not the drive, but listen to the well, radio break. Coming into this, anyway. coming into this week, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, was in the lead at nine out of twelve. I was at seven out of twelve, and you were at five out of twelve. And I didn't. And my whole goal this week was I was just flipping coins. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, I did. A, I, mine was all coin tossing. Wow. How'd I do? Well, we'll see. All right, Beach. Uh, <laughs> most of the games were on Saturday, December fifth. First up, Oregon at Cal. What'd your um, coin flip say? Uh, my coin flip picked Cal. Well, Beach, Cal quarterback Chase Garbers threw for a touchdown and ran for a short score. Milu Isofa made a late fumble recovery, and Cal handed Oregon its second straight loss with a twenty-one to seventeen victory Saturday night. Now, number 21, Oregon, got the ball back with 2-1 left, and Tyler Shook marched the Ducks down the field. But his team gave the ball away once again in what has become a pattern for the Ducks this season. Now, Garbers outshined the young Oregon star, who threw for 231 yards in his fifth, uh, in his fifth start with 200-plus yards passing in as many career starts. Now, Shook's 77-yard completion to Travis Dye in the final minute of the second quarter set up a one-yard touchdown run by Cyrus Habibi Likio that lifted the Ducks to a 17-14 halftime lead. But, Beach, they didn't score again. You got wow. the win there. Kyle and I had both taken Oregon. Hmm. All right, Look I, at that. The next, coin paid off for me. There you go. Next up, Beach, Colorado at... Arizona. Well, the coin flip told me Colorado was going to win this one. And I think it, uh, your guys's expert knowledge also said the same. Yep. Kyle and I both took Colorado, Colorado running back. Jarek Broussard ran for a career high 301 yards yet somehow didn't score a touchdown as Colorado stayed undefeated with a 24 to 13 victory over the Arizona Wildcats on Saturday night. The five foot nine, 185 pound sophomore repeatedly sliced through the middle of Arizona's defense without much resistance, reeling off runs of 75, 72, and 59 yards as the Buffs piled up 407 yards on the ground. Broussard's smooth moves on the football field make it hard to believe that he missed all of last season because of a serious knee injury. One of the few reminders that it even happened is the brace he still wears, which Colorado coach Carl Durrell joked was slowing him down. Now, Broussard has run for at least 100 yards in all four games this season and broke loose with long runs on two separate drives in the second quarter that had set up touchdowns and helped Colorado recover from an early 13-0 deficit. Now, Arizona freshman quarterback Will Plummer made his first career start filling in for the injured Grant Gannell. He had some good moments, finishing 19 of 32, passing for 154 yards, but threw a costly interception at the one-yard line on a drive that could have tied the game early in the third quarter. Wow. So we all got the win there. So far, Beej is two for two. So next up, Beej, we had 
UCLA at Arizona State. Ooh, um, looks like Kyle and I went with uh, the the Bruins, and uh, you took Arizona State. Yeah, I kind of went back and forth, and I said UCLA originally, and then I changed it to Arizona State. Dimitri Felton scored on a two-yard run with 109 left, and UCLA rallied after struggling for most of the second half to beat Arizona State 25-18 Saturday night. The Bruins dominated early to go up 17-0. Labored as the Sun Devils surged to the lead, then came to life at just the right time. Now, quarterback Thompson Robinson accounted for two touchdowns and was sharp while engineering the final drive after missing two games due to COVID-19 contact tracing. UCLA moved 75 yards and 11 plays on that drive. Captain Felton tried to stop at the one, but was pushed in by the Sun Devils. Arizona State had a little time left, but Quentin Lake broke up a desperation heave to give the Bruins a winning record for the first time since midway through the 2017 season. Now, Jaden Daniels accounted for two touchdowns for Arizona State, the second, a run-yard run with four and a half minutes left. And Tyler Johnson had three sacks for the Sun Devils in their first game in a month after COVID-19 issues. The Arizona State's defense dominated most of the second half, but the offense turned it over twice inside UCLA's red zone in the second half. The Sun Devils are 0-2 for the first time since 1998, with both losses coming in the final two minutes. 1998. Yep. Holy crap, that was a long time ago. Okay. So. Beach is now three for three. Yep. Um, Next up, Stanford versus Washington. Stanford at Washington, correct. Who'd you take? Um, You know, I took Stanford on this one. Yep, I took UW. Kyle didn't take anybody. And he didn't get back with you? and gave he, you never, he, never, he never told me, yeah. Wow, and you even reached out to him, didn't I you? Did, you yeah. even talked to him about that on the podcast itself. Yep. Is he not even listening to the podcast anymore? I don't know. Is he is he is he becoming more like me? I don't know. He's not even. I guess he's our fan is gone. If we lost him, we would be doing this for our own enjoyment now. <laughs> After being forced to spend the week, <laughs> that's, that's usually what I do. That's usually my story anyway. Yeah. After being forced to spend the week in Seattle because it was prohibited from practicing in Santa Clara County, Stanford used a dominant run game to beat number 23 Washington 31-26 Saturday at Husky Stadium. The Cardinal, the Cardinal had the fewest rushing yards in the conference entering Saturday, but Austin Jones had 31 carries for 138 yards and two TDs, and Nathaniel Pete had seven carries for 44 yards in the score. Quarterback Davis Mills completed 20 of 30 passes for 252 yards a TD, and no interceptions to complement the ground game. Now, Stanford flew to Seattle on Tuesday because of Santa Clara County's health order that banned sporting events and practices that went into effect on Monday. The Cardinal practiced at Washington's indoor facility Tuesday night and then at a local high school's during the week before conducting its Friday walkthrough at a public park near its hotel. Washington came back from a 21-point halftime deficit last week against Utah and almost did it again on Saturday. The Huskies scored touchdowns on three straight drives to start the second and had the ball at the Stanford down 10. Excuse me, had the ball at the Stanford 10 down 31-23 after recovering a fumble by Stanford running back Austin Jones. But the defense held the Huskies to a 45-yard field goal with help from two holding penalties. That's impressive as hell. Yeah. It's also impressive for Stanford, you know. They're practicing in parks and high schools, mm-hmm. you know, living out of a hotel for a week. So Funny. you pick up the win there. I got nothing. Next up, Beach, Oregon State at Utah. I 
And we all pick, because I didn't even flip the coin toss on this one, we all pick the Beavs, as we always do. Correct. Ty Jordan ran for a career-high 167 yards and a TD to help Utah survive a late rally and beat Oregon State 30-24 to for its first win of the season. Now, Jordan, a true freshman, totaled 129 yards rushing in his first two games. Now, he added 22 yards receiving Saturday while getting 29 total touches on offense. His vision of breakaway speed have allowed him to emerge in a crowded backfield after only a few games. Now, for the Beavs, Beach, Chance Nolan threw for 202 yards and a touchdown and added 36 yards rushing in his first career start. It wasn't quite enough for the Beavs to overcome a sluggish start on offense. Now, Oregon State seized momentum as the fourth quarter progressed. The Beavs cut a 20-point deficit to six on Colby Taylor's 21-yard catch between two defenders with 5.07 left. Oregon State had a couple of chances to drive for a go-ahead touchdown. Nate Ritchie stopped Tyler for a one-yard loss on fourth and one at the Utah 31 to end the first threat. The Utes were forced to punt with a minute 16 left, but no one's fourth down pass to Luke Musgrave fell incomplete with 21 seconds remaining. But, you know, I know people were giving the defense crap in that game, but I will say that they held Utah to three field goals on their first three drives. Mm-hmm. One of those drives started at about the Beavers' 10-yard line after an interception return, held them to a field goal. And then in the second half, Beach, you know, they, other than a punt return, which is not the defense's fault, mm-hmm. they pitched a shutout. Really? The defense pitched a shutout. They didn't give up any points in the second half. And That's they awesome. had two great stops to get the ball back and get the Beef some uh, couple chances at it. But they just couldn't couldn't find a way to score those last two times they had the ball. Yeah. Part of it too is, you know, and even Jess noticed it. She was like, he doesn't look comfortable back there. He's kind of jumping around. And I was like, yeah, it's called happy feet. He had happy feet back there because he was just nervous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And there's a couple times I thought he needs to tuck the ball and run because he had open lanes and he would pick up some yards. But, you know, I can't be too angry with the beeves. You know, they go into that game where you find out Friday morning that Jefferson didn't make the trip because of COVID protocols early mm-hmm. in the first quarter, their second string running back, you know, they lost Baylor in the first quarter to a shoulder injury. They lost champ Flemings to a shoulder injury. It's tough. And that's one thing too. I don't like playing Utah. Um, Utah plays a very aggressive style of football. Mm-hmm. ultra aggressive. It's the same reason I don't like playing Hawaii. Um, best way for me to say it is they play kind of a, an islands style of football. Okay. Where they just like to beat the holy living piss out of each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I've talked to a couple Hawaiian guys about this and he goes, Oh no, that's how we play over there. It's we're going to beat the piss out of each other. Really? Do, oh yeah. It, uh, I, I won't say it's dirty because they all do it. Mm-hmm. but it's very aggressive. And I don't mean just hitting hard. I mean, yeah. it's aggressive. And the other thing too, when you're playing Utah or when you're playing BYU a lot too, there's a lot of times those guys on the other team are men. You know, you're not playing 18 to 22 year olds. You're playing 23, 24, 25 year olds, guys that are married, have a couple kids. And it's just, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just the way it is. And I just, I don't, it's, I always, 
My thing is, if it beat Utah, great. I just want to come out not all beat up. And they got beat up as that game went along. So, hmm. but I thought they played well. I mean, hell, they, at the end of the game, I was telling Jess, I'm like, they, they have a shot at this thing. They had two shots at it. And like, to my thing is, they really don't have a reason to have a shot at this thing. But they're playing well enough to have a shot. The, you know, they, they uh, so I was, again, listening to it on the radio, and then I was in the middle of your and dad's text conversation. And since I couldn't really watch it, I really wasn't adding my two cents worth into the conversation, but reading up your your critique on it. And uh, it it just seemed like they never gave up. And like you said, he might have had happy feet, but that's just comes with experience. I mean, I don't think you, you rarely see a quarterback in for his first first uh, couple games where he doesn't have a little bit of happy feet. Mm-hmm. So, but it is impressive to me that they didn't give up when I was listening to the third quarter, I was given up, you know, mm-hmm. the, the score seemed like whoever, every time that we thought we were getting closer, they'd come back and retaliate. And um, I just, I just didn't feel like we could get ahead. No, I, I was great. Cause the beeves didn't give up. They kept battling through that whole game. So uh, it was funny. I know people were a little pissed when, um, Coach Smith opted for a field goal attempt early in the game. The the attempt it was pretty long. It was like I want to say a fifty yarder, and it mm-hmm. was it was right white. But it was funny because they kicked it. And I text Dad and I'm like, I understand why he kicked it. He's trying to get some points. And I said, even though he missed it, I feel good about our kicker's leg strength because it was a fifty yard kick and he had plenty <laughs> of distance on it and he didn't miss it by much. Yeah. So just, I'm like, just... it makes me feel better about his leg strength, you know. Awesome. Anyways, but regrettably, the Beavs did lose that game, so none of us got the point there. And then there was one more game, Beavs, that got moved to Sunday, December 6th, Washington State at USC. Yeah, and it looks like the uh, Mystic Quarter told me to pick Washington State, and and Kyle uh, did of his own accord, mm-hmm. and you picked uh, USC. Correct. USC wide receiver Amon Ra St. Brown caught four touchdown passes from Keaton Slovis in a spectacular first quarter and unbeaten USC cruise to a 38-13 victory over the Washington State Cougars. Now, Slovis threw five touchdown passes in the first half before finishing with 287 yards as the Trojans returned from a prolonged absence caused by a COVID-19 outbreak with the dominant performances on both sides of the ball against the Cougs, who hadn't played themselves since November 14th. Now, St. Brown made college football history with touchdowns on every one of his four catches in the opening quarter, including two dazzling grabs made with backward dives on difficult throws by Slovis. Now, along with tying Robert Woods' USC record for TD catches in a game, the junior receiver tied the FBS record for touchdowns scored in any quarter and joined Duke's Corey Thomas in 1997 as the only players in FBS history with four touchdown catches in a quarter. Hmm. Pretty crazy. Freshman Jaden, freshman quarterback Jaden Delora passed for 135 yards, but also threw two interceptions and lost a fumble for the Cougs. They were shaking their first half after their layoff, although Coach Nick Rolovich said he didn't blame it on rust. Okay. So I got the win there. You did not. So you had a good week, Beach. You you won. Uh, first of all, it's one of the first weeks where we've had actually six Pac-12 games played. Yeah. Everyone played. Um Kyle and I had crappy weeks with only two wins. You won four. So after week five, Kyle's in the lead at 15 out of 23. 
and you and I are two back with 13 out of 23. Hmm. All right. So now let's look at the Pac-12 in the polls, Beach. Not looking good for the Pac-12 in the polls right now. In the AP poll, USC moved up one spot to number 16. Colorado entered the poll at number 21. And Washington and UCLA are in the others receiving votes category. Oregon fell out of the poll. In the USA Today coaches poll, USC it always moved, sucks when your it always sucks when your poll falls out. It is USC moved up a spot to 15. Colorado entered the poll at 22, and Oregon and Washington are in the others receiving votes category. Now, Beach in the playoff poll, um, the from one to eight is as follows: Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Florida. Iowa State, and Cincinnati. USC is at 15, and Colorado is at 21. Now, there will be some movement because Notre Dame will probably end up playing Clemson in the ACC title game. Mm -hmm. And Alabama might end up playing Texas A&M. I'm not sure how the uh, SEC game is going to go. But Florida is also in there at 6, so it could be there. But it'll be interesting to see. Pac-12 is probably out of the playoffs. Yeah. More than likely. So. Kind of destroyed ourselves on that one. Yep. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. The, pro- the problem so, is was, like. It was, but well, it was so worth it. Yeah. Well, screw Oregon. Yep. Um, part of the problem is Ohio State has only played a few games. And their game this week that was supposed to be their big rivalry game with Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's been canceled. So I don't That's, know how many uh, games Ohio. How many games has Ohio State even played? Because originally they had set it up where. You had to play a certain amount of games to mm-hmm. get to the or the Big Ten championship game. So they had a six-game minimum, right? Mm-hmm. So they're but see, Ohio State's only five and zero. Oh. So the Big Ten athletic directors are supposed to meet Wednesday morning uh, to discuss and amend the six-game requirement. Wow. So Ohio State might be ineligible, and that would put Indiana from the East in against Northwestern. Interesting. When the rules don't when the rules don't work, you change the rules. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, these are the rules. Well, wait a minute, maybe we should change it. So we'll have to wait and see. I'd like to see Indiana going there. Screw them. That'd be awesome. Screw Ohio State. Indiana Northwestern. What the hell? I'd love to see that. <laughs> so, all right, Beach. It is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. Jackass of the Week Award. Every week, like, discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this is just, to me, Beach, this is just stupid Twitter culture that we're going to give it to. Mm-hmm. And just apologizing for stuff you shouldn't have to apologize for. Never apologize. Because once they apologize, you've shown weakness and they go after you. Absolutely. So, Beach, I don't know if you've heard about this. But last week, UNLV quarterback Max Gilliam apologized for a less than above board moment while appearing on the reality TV show Below Deck earlier this year. Have you ever seen that I show? Heard Beach? About, I, he- I heard about this. Go, I, no, I have not. But you, heard have you heard of the one. show Below Deck? No. It's one of those kind of faux reality shows, but it's, it's a bunch of people that work on a boat and they have people on the boat. There's, it's about the workers on the boat, usually a bunch of good looking college age people. Of course they are. Yeah, of course. And then there's rich people coming on the boat, and they're taking the people on excursions and stuff. Anyways, mm-hmm. it, it's all a bunch of crap, but some people watch it. 
like my wife. Anyways, yeah, Gilliam. I was going to say, exactly. Jessica probably loves that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Gilliam, a senior from Thousand Oaks, California, apologized on Twitter for eating sushi off a nude model during an episode that aired last month and was reportedly filmed in Antigua in February and March. He said, quote, I would like to apologize for my poor judgment while on the TV show Below Deck and acknowledge that I've made a mistake that I will learn from. While it was not my idea nor any of my friends' ideas to eat sushi off a model, I should have exercised better judgment and declined the idea immediately when it was brought up by the producers. Beach Below Deck airs on Bravo. The episode in which Gilliam appeared, titled Max and Dax's Excellent Adventure, was originally broadcast November 16th. Now, Gilliam wrote, This is not a reflection of my character or the way I was raised, nor a reflection of the culture of UNLV football. I would like to humbly move past this and focus my time and energy on our game against the University of Hawaii this weekend. Now, according to ESPN Las Vegas, Rebels coach Marcus Arroyo said the program was unaware of the incident until last Monday. Now, Royal said, when we talk intently about what we're building here, we mean thoroughly and completely. Each of our players, especially our senior leadership, must recognize that we go out in public. We're representing this team, this university, and the alumni and fan base. How we conduct ourselves in public is just as important as how we do on the field. I was made aware of Max's recent statement, and it is apparent that he also agrees. You know, on this, I, I, I totally agree. The fact you shouldn't be choosing a model to eat food off of i mean it should be hookers only <laughs> well there's, there's absolutely no reason why you would just want to do it on a model you know solo class so you know what this is bees right uh hashtag me too no 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 it, it, it's an actual thing out of japan oh yeah well yeah you know i've seen those things where they it's they, called uh it's they, called nyo yeah, taimori what was what so was this was this non-hooker was she asian um, I don't know. I didn't see the episode, but it's called okay. Neo Taimori. Because I've seen those things where they have those gals and they're sitting there naked and they're covered in sushi, sushi. and yeah. and and greenery. And people and, eat uh, off them, yeah. Yeah, and and the, the it's actually kind of a chore for the model because she's got to sit there absolutely still for God knows however long it takes you to eat her. Yeah. So it's it's called Neo Neo Taimori. Which yeah, actually, which some, I think li- seen on travel literally means like serves that. food on the female body. It's often mm-hmm. referred to as body sushi, and it's the Japanese practice of serving sashimi or sushi from the body of a naked woman. Now there is a a male equivalent called nantamori. Now, right. supposedly, beach it's said to have its origins in the samurai period in Japan. Um, supposedly, the idea began during the samurai period, and it was a subculture to the geishas. It would take place in a geisha house as a celebration after a victorious battle. Hookers and blow. Exactly. And my thing is it it's kind of odd. I I just don't understand what he needs to apologize for. I, I just it's it doesn't I I, I would be more There ashamed. there are so many I would be more ashamed that my quarterback was in a reality show than doing that you know what i mean i i i'm i'm totally there with you it's there's 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 bigger fish to fry here than uh-huh. that well except it was you know, sushi. It, it's just anything anybody does i was talking about this everybody's got to be offended everybody's got to have their voice everybody's got to do this or that i really honestly don't give a damn what other people do anymore yeah. as long as you don't do anything illegal or hurt anybody you know then i don't care and if some gal wants to voluntarily have sushi covered her body and have people eat off her and she's being compensated 
for it and she's not being forced or coerced to do that, then have at it. Yeah. She was probably a pretty hot chick. And you know what? Naked hot chicks are like one of my favorite things in the world. And I like sushi. Yeah, I don't. It's, but, it's, you know, it's, but if she was covered in pizza, I would be all about it's, that. It's kind of like a peanut butter cup. Is it? Yeah, two great things that go great together. Oh, okay. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyways, I think it's stupid. Do you know how many naked sushi places there are in Las Vegas? How many? At least five that I counted. Wow. Plus there's places that cater it. And you know what there's also outside of Las Vegas? Brothels <laughs> where women get paid to have sex with men who are not they're well, not married. But that that's to. actually not in Las Vegas itself. It's outside the county. No, but but still, you're gonna pick this battle where they're doing something legal in the town of Las Vegas, where outside of Las Vegas people are freaking screwing each other for cash. Yeah, I just think it's stupid. Yeah. So anyway, I just think bigger, it's bigger battles to Yep. Bigger, bigger battles so anyways, fight. so to the Twitter mob that goes after people for stuff, and basically, don't apologize. But to that Twitter mob, no, you, you get this week. Oh, go ahead. Finish it. <laughs> Jackass of the week award. Do it. Do it. Uh, yeah. The, uh, you, you know, that's the whole thing. Don't give them the satisfaction of victory. You know, you, you say... I can't believe you ate food off of a woman. I'd be like, you're goddamn right I did. <laughs> I just, whatever. It's just stupid. And I'd do it again. If they gave me seconds, I'd be all over it. Except you don't eat sushi. I don't. I really don't care for it. I, I think God gave us fire to cook food. Not all sushi's raw. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I would, you know, again, um, it's just, you know, my, my attitude for sushi has always been the same thing. You know, people are like, are, do you like sushi? I'm like, if the cute girl I'm taking out to dinner likes sushi, then sure, I like sushi. If the cute girl you're taking out to dinner likes to be the plate, you like sushi. <laughs> Dang right. All right. Other, th other than that, I will never go out voluntarily and get sushi for myself. All right, Beach, it is time for the musical interview of the week. And last week we gave Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, uh, the ability to pick this week's song. So he sent me an email. He says... Ever since you said that the theme for this year would be alcohol songs, the song that stuck at the front of my brain is Queen of the Stone Age, Feel Good Hit of the Summer. The lyrics consist of a catalog of drugs. Nicotine, Valium, Vicodin, Marijuana, Ecstasy, and Alcohol. And the chorus of Cocaine. Those are really pretty much all the words. Mm -hmm. Now, released in 2000, it's no surprise the song did not chart as many radio stations refuse to play it. The song is the first track off their album called Rated R. Initially, Walmart refused to sell the album unless Feel Good Hit of the Summer was removed or a warning label was applied. The band successfully argued that the name of the album itself were warning labels enough. And if you, if you see the actual album cover beach, it's just uh -huh. blue with a white stripe and an R, kind of like you'd see on a movie. Uh -huh. stick to, yeah, and that's what it was. Now, Beach, of interest, Rob Halford of Jubas Priest was recorded in the studio next door and ended up singing background vocals on the last round of lyric and chorus. That's now, awesome. Kyle continues, on a personal level, I saw these guys perform in Denver in October of 2003. This was the last song of the evening and part of the encore. A really good concert where the audience was really into it. Near the end of the song, they start quietly chugging on the bass and everyone is ready for the, quote, Denver, you guys have been really great speech. Josh, the lead singer, says, 
I see Ween is playing here next weekend. Any of you guys have tickets to that concert? Scattering of hoots go around the crowd. Mm-hmm. Josh continues, yeah, those guys are crazy. They do all the drugs we sing about in the song at the same time. <laughs> and boom, just rock hard to a crashing end. Lights go out. Everyone goes home. So, Beach, for Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, here's Kyle's pick of Queens of the Stone Age, Feel Good Hit of the Summer. I kind of enjoyed it. I, I I like the beat. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's catchy. It is. It is catchy. It reminds me of uh, Anthrax's song, uh, "My Posse." Oh yeah, starting with Posse. Yeah, where uh, where they kind of do the same thing with uh, rather than drugs, they do it with uh, the Curse the words. words that aren't allowed. Yeah. yeah. And a little Tipper Gore. Yeah, little, yeah. I love it when they make fun of Tipper Gore. Yep. All right, Beach, it is now time to look for week six in the Pac-12. Now, there will be a week seven, but we won't know what those games are until this week is over. 
So, and hopefully we'll have Jamar Jefferson back for the Beavs. Hope so. So it's it's said that he should clear protocol, hopefully be available by Friday or by Saturday. Now, did he, did he, did they confirm he had the Rona? Or no, he, was just... he has not. From what I understand, he has not tested positive. Okay. Still yet to this, at this point. Exactly. And so he's got to, he's not, what did I say? He's, he's in quarantine, but he's not in isolation. Mm-hmm. So he's still able to go in on his own, I think, and use the team facilities and work out, but he can't be around other people. Gotcha. So I, I think I think that's what I heard. All right, Beach. So we have two games on Friday, the 11th. First up, Arizona State at Arizona. What's that, the Territorial Cup? I think, yeah, the good old Arizona Territory. Mm-hmm. Or is it the rivalry game formerly known as the Territorial Cup game? No, I think because, it's still a territory. You know, territory they know, that was all absconded land from Native Americans. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. So first, how up, dare they act like they have the rights over that land? Yep. Um, you know what? Uh, hold on here. Let's see if I got a coin on me. Well, Beach, I'm going to say Arizona State. Okay. Kyle says Arizona got the Rona. Arizona State. <laughs> Okay, I've got a I got a lid off of a diet A and W root beer. Let's see, let's see, we're gonna go heads and tails on this. Um, it's heads, so that means I'm going with Arizona State University. Okay. All right, Beach. Up next. And what, okay. What were you gonna say? Oh, yeah. Never mind. We're good. Okay. Next up, Utah at Colorado. Utah at Colorado. Ooh, Colorado. Kyle says, let go with Colorado. Sneaking in for a Pac-12 South Conference win. Hmm. Hey, two, I'm going to take Colorado. Okay. Then the rest of the games, Beach, are on Saturday, December 12th. First up, number 22, Washington at unranked Oregon. Oh, actually, no. Neither team are ranked anymore. <laughs> um, I actually, I, I dropped the cap on the floor, and I don't know if that counts as a thing, but it went heads. So with that, I'm going to go with Washington. Taking Washington. Kyle says, Huskies only good at home, but Ducks are easily broken. Let's go with Ducks and watch their program go scorched earth on the coaching staff this season. <laughs> um. I don't really want either team. To, I guess I'll take U of O. I don't really want either team to yeah, win that. A bunch of wish it could end in a 0-0 zero, zero tie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up, California at Washington State. Um, Washington State's for the win. Wazoo. Kyle says, Wazoo passes over Cal. Um, I'm going to take Cal just to be different. Next up, number 20 USC at UCLA. The battle for the victory bell. At UCLA? Yeah. Ah, you picked UCLA. You did? Yeah. Kyle says, UCLA, even though Chip gets the win. (sighs) Man. I'm going to take USC. Don't know, don't care. Okay. Okay, and the final game, Beach, 
Stanford at Oregon State. You know, so one of the the games that has always, always bothered me was the game at Stanford. God, I don't even know how many years ago it was where we lost the game because we fumbled the ball out of bounds in the end zone and it was a touchback. Do you remember that? We went for the score and he lost the ball. What was that now? Do you remember that game? It's always bothered me where we were playing or when we were playing Stanford down there and uh, we, our player was reaching for the end zone, fumbled the ball. It fumbled out of the end zone yeah. and it was a touchback. We ended up losing the game and, and not getting that score. Yeah. 2008. That, uh, God dang. That was freaking 12 years ago. Yeah. Well, and if I'm that, and if that, if that is a score and the bees win that game, they go to the Rose bowl. Mm-hmm. You ever feel like we get bad luck sometimes? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you know. But uh, that being said, I'm still bitter, so I want those fuckers to lose. So we're going to Oregon State all the way. All right. <laughs> all right, Beach. Um, I am taking OSU. Kyle says, Beavs, 50% record. What now? I, it is what now because there's only like – normally there's seven Pac-12 bowl games. Mm-hmm. Um, the Beavs have – Tie-ins with seven Pac-12 games. Let me see how many they've got now. Pac-12 bowl games 2020. I think three have been canceled. I mean, are they even really going to have bowl games, or are these just games that are going to be televised and called bowl games because they're not even going to have live audiences? No, they? they won't have live audiences. So I think I want to say the Holiday Bowl has been canceled. The Sun Bowl has been canceled. The Holiday Bowl is a big bowl. Yeah. Isn't that number three in the Pac-12? Yeah. Number two or number three? Yeah. The Holiday Bowl is canceled. The Sun Bowl is canceled. Maybe it's four bowls been canceled. The Red Box Bowl is canceled. Is there another one? Is, is Red Box even in existence anymore? Are they going to be able to afford a bowl game? Yeah. And the Vegas Bowl has been canceled. Wow. So, let me see. I was just talking about. Oh, and the inaugural LA Bowl was canceled. Hmm. So, the LA Bowl was supposed to pair up the number one Mountain West team against the number 12 team from the pack. So, I don't know what leaves for the pack. Um, the pack 12 is now tied to four bowls a New Year's Day Bowl, which won't be the Rose Bowl because it's in the playoffs the Alamo Bowl, the Independence Bowl, and they got pulled into the Armed Forces Bowl. Okay. So there's four bowl games. So who the hell knows who's going? And literally, you don't have to have a winning record to go to a bowl game this year. You just have to be running free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So who the hell knows? Yeah. It's just a mess. So, anyways, anything else you want to add, Beej? I, I got nothing, Billy, other than I'm anxious to, um, well, I don't know, to see what the outcome is next week. Yeah. I, you know, I, if the Beavs have Jebbia, oh, and did you hear Jebbia is going in for hamstring surgery? He's done for the season. You, you know, and here they interviewed him like a couple days before last week's game, and 
that he was he was practicing and stuff. He's like, yeah, I feel good. I think I'm going to be able to play. Yeah, and he's not going to. Wow. He had to go in for surgery. The season's over. Um, but I think if the Beavs have Jebbia or if they have Jamar last week, they win that game easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to see us come out and give us a heavy dose of Jamar this week and just take it to Stanford. We've had yeah, Stanford absolutely. dead to rights a couple of times in the last few seasons. Don't you remember a couple of years ago at Reeser Stadium where they just kept throwing that damn fade route in the corner and getting pass interference mm-hmm. calls? Yes. I mean, it was like six or seven same plays. And so, anyways, the Beavs had them dead to rights. I, they should have them dead to rights this week. I hope so. so I just want to come see him come out and get the win. You got anything else to add, Beach? Uh, you know, I got nothing. It's just been a weird season. This whole yeah. thing is just weird. Just weird. So, yeah. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 154 of the League Participation. If you'd like to comment, suggestion, ask a question, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, listen, subscribe, wherever you use to get your podcasts from. Also, leave a rating and review. Beach. Billy. We've only got a couple more weeks, and then we'll take a little hiatus over Christmas break. Okay. And then, uh, But we're, we're going to come back for sure in, the, in January because I think that might have helped cause the game last year. Okay. We never, we, never, we never came back and did any podcasts. We always we say did, we, we are. Okay. okay. Well, I'm getting I'm so, Anyways, all right. Until next week, here's a great big Go Bees. I give my update from Eugene, you're going to have to bleep some of my stuff. Okay. I like beer. <laughs>